Hi, and welcome to Spartan Speak, a production of the Lansing State Journal, Detroit Free Press, and USA Today Network. I am Graham Couch from the Lansing State Journal, here alongside Chris Solari from the Detroit Free Press. Digitally, uh, and, uh, digitally alongside. Digitally alongside, that's right. And we're here to talk uh, Michigan State basketball heading into the Big Ten tournament, preview the tournament. We'll touch on a little football as well. Uh, but most of today is going to be hoops because it is that time of year. And um, I, I think this could be a fun week, Chris. I think it's going to be an inter- like the Big Ten, Ten tournament is whatever you want to make of it, right? It is a um, it's really important to teams that need it. It's sometimes important to teams that don't. It's more important as you win. And I, I use this comparison for those who are in the soccer world to the uh, to the FA Cup. The further you get, the more you're invested. If you check out on Friday, you're usually like, well, eh, all right, that's okay. Um, but what I don't think, Chris, we've ever seen in the Big Ten tournament is so many teams that are capable of making a run, some of which are desperate. You know, desperation is something you can't fake, and teams that need to win. Like if Michigan plays, plays Purdue on Friday, and I think Michigan will get past Rutgers, one of those teams will be desperate. One of those teams won't, and that usually matters because you cannot fake it. Um, I don't know. I, I think both of those teams would be desperate because there's different desperation for Purdue to try and get that one seed. But that's but right. But it's a different level of desperation. You know what I mean? So if you, if you, I think Purdue's mission is to get to Sunday, you know, because nothing that happens Sunday is going to really affect the seeding. I don't think. Right. But if you if Purdue gets there, they could make a claim for one of those last couple number one seeds. Michigan's obviously trying to play its way into the tournament. Michigan might not even get past Rutgers, and those are two desperate teams. I mean, you're right about the desperation factor. I, I think. You know, from Michigan State standpoint, it's not, I think, so much desperation as the ability to to play up a seed line. Um, but because if you if you if you get to Saturday, I think you help yourself. But if you get to Sunday, you really help yourself and maybe put yourself on a six seed. Uh, you know, otherwise, you know, you, you'll just be at the mercy of the committee. But you know, there's there's so many of those subplots, and I, I, what I think is fascinating is going to be those games on Wednesday because particularly the one of interest to Michigan State fans between Nebraska and Ohio State because Ohio State's playing really well, and the only way they get in to a tournament in the NCAAs is by winning out. Right, and there's that desperation. And by the time most people listen to this, that game may be underway, although who knows? Depends when you listen to this. Um, we're doing this on Wednesday Wednesday morning. Um, it is Wednesday, isn't it? Yeah, it is Wednesday. Yep. Doesn't, so it, it, that's <laughs> the space time continuum has been disrupted because of all the competitiveness and just waiting because it doesn't feel like a Wednesday game kind of day. No, the, the some of those games are really good. And, you know, you can't even take you can't take Minnesota for granted. You know, two weeks ago, you could have just wrote Minnesota off as a quick win. I, that actually worked out Michigan State's favor, I think, to not play Minnesota at this time of the year because they are markedly better than they were two weeks ago. So the the, the back to the, the the point about like you you can have a mission, but a mission is different than desperation. The right. mission between a one and two seed is not something you feel in your soul, and it's not something that and and look, not all teams that are on the bubble are desperate. I would argue that Rutgers just wants this all to be over. 
they're not. I mean, the the, the the thing about Rutgers is there's no point in them even making the NCAA tournament because they're not going anywhere. Once they lost Moat Mag, they they're, they're not a team that has any capability. Whereas Michigan is a team that could absolutely get hot, and so and they probably feel that they feel like a team that's blown some overtime games, blown some late games. Like if they, you know, if they just had a chance with a fresh start in the NCAA tournament, they could really cause some some trouble. Michigan State, I think you're right about the seed line, like. You, you look at the different prognostications for MSU, and a lot of people have them around a six right now. I don't know if losing would entirely bump them off that because we don't know what they actually are. And, and often Michigan State has been a seed line lower than we expect. Um, I would think they've got – I would think with one win, they're probably pretty secure in whatever they are now. So, in other words, they win once. If they're a six right now, they're not falling below that uh, as you lose to really good teams. And I think that's important, though, for MSU, because I do think this season has been different than other years. And in terms of they're not really a bubble team, they're not – you don't want to have to face a one or two seed, even though the ones or two seeds aren't all that – you know, necessarily all that to write home about uh, right away, because that feels like you're trying to pull an upset in the second round. Whereas if you're trying to make a run, being a six feels like it has um, some meaning and a better path, if that makes any sense. You. you know what? I, I earlier I said the uh, Minnesota. I said Ohio State and Nebraska. It's actually Ohio State, Wisconsin, but the same deal. Right, right. It's the same deal. I mean, and that Nebraska Minnesota game uh, Wednesday, the second game Wednesday, also is going to be interesting because that that path there. I mean, if one of those teams, both of those teams, have been hot down the stretch, you know, Maryland isn't a good team away from home. And Indiana's fluctuated at times, even as good as they've been as a three seed. So, you know, could I mean, you could literally look at this and say, boy, Minnesota has a path to get to Saturday. Wow. I mean, like you never would say that any other year. I think this is the this is going to be the it's the 25th anniversary of the Big Ten tournament, but also the 25th Big Ten tournament because they took the 2020 year mostly off other than the first day games. And a little bit of warm ups that second day. So, I mean, this is it, it's as fascinating a, a time as I can remember for this tournament in particular. Um, and, and I, I, you know, who knows what it's going to be like moving forward? You know, once you add a couple teams in USC and UCLA and, and get to 16, and if there's more teams coming after that, I mean, this, this whole thing could change um, in, in a couple years. So, I, I think this is one of those tournaments and I, and I can't think that kind of mirrors what Michigan State's season has been there's a lot of upside for all of these teams same with Michigan State um there's there's a lot of deficiencies for these teams that we've seen too is this has got to be one of those times that you just you can't really I think predict and project you just got to enjoy the ride because it's going to be I, I think it's going to be as wild uh, a weekend as as we've seen in Big Ten basketball and that's saying something coming out of the last weekend Right. You know, no, I think it could be. And, and, you know, because I think, again, when, when one team, the team is the second seed was one loss away from being the ninth seed, like Northwestern is, that tells you how, how bunched up they all are. Um, I do think, let's talk to Michigan state here. I think that, you know, one of the questions about MSU is, is how sustainable what they're doing offensively and shooting the ball is right now. And while, while the numbers themselves are not quite sustainable, you're not going to shoot what they've done in the last few games, every game. I do think they're doing some things differently. Um, there are some 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 real improvements that have led to the increased offense in numbers. 
a lot of that has to do with Jaden Akins becoming one more guy that, you know, it's just one more person to defend. And he has really um, become a bona fide scorer. And, and, and he's been shooting a decent percentage all year, but he's shooting an incredible clip. But he wants the ball. He, he's he's putting defenses in tough spots to make d- bad decisions. And there are, there are just too many shooters on the floor to deal with. And so Michigan State's and Michigan State's also moving the ball a lot more. That's something they talked about yesterday. And I, I think that is a big, um, you know, the, the ball was sticking a little bit for a while. And that, that that's helped. There's a little more pace to what they're doing. And so that stuff is sustainable. The shot making at the level it is is probably not, but they should be a good shooting team. And, you know, I think if 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 they're a team that can can beat you in a number of ways, I still think they're a pretty good defensive team and they can score in the um, score above the 80s. They've got a chance to win a number of ways. And those are the type of teams that can actually can actually make a run and, and be it this week or, or starting next. Yeah, can be a good defensive team. They also can be a bad defensive team, as we've seen over the last couple games, that the numbers that were there early, with particularly on the arc, were how well they defended it. Um, you know, they weren't shooting it nearly as good a clip when they were defending that well along the arc. Now they're hitting from outside, but so are everybody else. Um, so that's, you know, at this, at this point in the year, that's that's got to be the major concern. Um, you know, the post defense has been an issue all year um, and as has post offense. So, I mean, that's that's going to be what it is. I mean, essentially, you have to be able to, you know, you have to to potentially shut down Zach Eady and, and Rebraca and, you know, those and Kroll if Wisconsin gets there. Um, Dickinson, if Michigan gets there, Omarui. I mean, they, they, that's going to be a problem no matter what. It's what Michigan State does on the arc at both ends of the court that's going to be the important thing in this tournament because this is that, you know, you you we saw it in going back to the 2018 Syracuse loss, right? Um, it wasn't that Michigan State played poorly in that game. It's that they shot poorly. I mean, they held Syracuse in the 50s, but if you aren't hitting from outside – it's just as bad as giving them up from outside. You know, it, at some point, I think that's the balance that we've seen the last couple of weeks. They've been giving them up outside, but they've been hitting more. You got to be able to to shut down the arc, and because, like you said, that shooting isn't as sustainable as as the defense is, particularly taking it on the road. Yeah. So no, like, and and the matchups will be interesting because they make it Iowa right away. We just saw that game, and we've seen two good games against Iowa, very different. Uh, they bullied him defensively in the first matchup at at Iowa. It was obviously a two hundred point game. So I'm yeah, up for I'm up for a triple quadruple overtime. What a two hundred points a team game. That's how unpredictable this is, and that's you know why you know why because it's a two thirty game Eastern time one thirty Central time game. They can do that. They can they can run into the the five thirty TV slot. That's fine. Yeah, no, it, it it's it definitely fits a, a good time. I, I love this time of year when there are games in the middle of the afternoon that mean something. It's it's the absolute best. The thing that I think Chris has is changed a little bit for me is I, I had always thought Michigan State had a chance to make a run because I thought they would be a reasonably tough out. They had veteran guards, and on a given day, they could beat almost anybody. But what's changed is I feel like the likelihood of that is just a little bit better than it was 
a few weeks ago. Like, they seem like not just a tough out, but a team that I wouldn't want to face if I was a one, two, or three seed. A team that on a given day might actually be just better than that one, two, or three seed. Not just capable of beating them. And and so I think, especially this year in this college basketball environment where there aren't that many elite teams or scary matchups, and some of the two seeds I see projected are less scary than the three seeds. So I don't even know if a six is better than, you know, being a, a a seven always, depending on who you're who you're facing if you're trying to make a if you're trying to make a run. I I I just think there's a lot more reason to believe in MSU than 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 uh than there was a few weeks ago, just because they've shown us a gear offensively that I didn't know they were ever going to reach. Yeah, I think th- there are maybe three or four teams that are in that mix. I think Michigan State's one of them. I think Michigan's one of them. Um, I think Illinois can be one of them with the talent level they have. And the the one that I think is kind of on the cusp of that is Penn State, just simply because when Jalen Pickett's playing well, um, you know, particularly the last couple of weeks, he's been getting other people involved and just – seeing the game really well and he's just you know you when you have an elite player like that in a conference um when you've got young upside talent that's still developing that that can round into form at any given moment i think you know and when you've got a team like michigan state where you've got veterans who are playing way i mean you know the job that tyson walker and and joey hauser have done um, in terms of their scoring over the last six, seven games, um, you know, is impressive in the kind the, the the balance and depth of scoring that Michigan State has. You mentioned Akins before. I think Malik Hall is such a key piece. I mean, he's been averaging in double figures, I think, the last four or five games. And that's kind of coincided with that uptick in scoring in, into the 80s. Um, you know, he's still not there defensively. And I think that's part of it. Um, you know, cerebrally he's there, uh, but I think that the foot is still an issue. He, he's dealing with back spasms that we saw uh, in the Ohio State game on Sunday. He said that's been an ongoing issue since last year at times. Um, so that that I think is, has limited him. So if he gets a little healthier and can help on the defensive side, and that's not even that's not even touching what AJ Hogarth has done, um, because I think you know. And that's also a wild card. You know, what A.J. Hogar are you going to get? Um, because he has vacillated so much this year between struggles and elite. You know, I mean, the, the, the way he was distributing the ball in the Nebraska game and the Ohio State game, um, his ability to get to the free throw line and, and hit, um, you know, it, those are the things. And if he can get into the paint and, and drive and distribute and score – uh, that makes him really dangerous, you know, because that basically, if you got a guy like Hogard who can get into the paint and create, and I think Walker can do that too. Um, and we've seen it at times from Hauser where he's penetrating and kicking for, for the other guys that helps you maybe offset some of the deficiencies with, with post scoring, not so much, not so much the lack of rebounding that they also need to improve on and particularly guarding against the offensive glass because um, that's been a, a thorn in the side all season. But, you know, if you're able to get a guy like Hogard playing his role at the peak level that he has shown he can do at times and get it consistently consistently over the course of three three days, I mean, 
they can win this tournament. They also can be a first round exit if he's turning the ball over and throwing into the stands and just playing out of sorts. We've seen that too. So it's, we've seen it in the same game, which is we've seen it in the same half yeah. at times. You know, it's. I mean, it's a Mike AJ Hogarth is a microcosm of the entire season for the whole Big Ten, quite honestly. Yeah, you know, no, this... you, think, you think about it. I mean, you know, they they're ranked among the toughest conferences in the country, but we've also seen games where teams are scoring in the forties, in the fifties. I mean, you know, it 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 wildly is all over the map, and and it's what you're going to get on a given night, or not in this case, three or four nights for some of these teams. Um, that that's going to dictate you know, what this tournament ends up looking like. One of the things, when you look at how bunched up this Big Ten is, how competitive it is, how deep it is, how many teams are capable, is it makes picking all league teams difficult. Because if you only have 15 spots for three teams, and you have, say, 13 basketball teams that deserve that have played well enough to have a guy on that team. Not a lot of room for two people on that team. And so I know a lot of people are upset that A.J. Hogard did not get, sorry, that Joey Hauser did not get at least third team. Tyson Walker's second team, there was a um, A.J. Hogard on one of the third teams. But, and, and I would have put Hauser probably over Jet Howard. I mean, you know, I... There's some guys on the third team I probably would have gone with Hauser, but I understand the predicament, and I, I don't think it's as clear-cut because they're just there are a lot of good players, and there's not a lot of separation. Just like with the teams, there's not a lot of separation with the players, and does a team that's 11-8 and eight deserve three guys in the top 15 when there are so many teams that deserve, you know, and, and so, I, I mean, I do get the predicament. I, you know, I would have – look, I don't think Jet Howard plays a lick of defense statistically. I think – um you know, Hauser was slightly better and, and, and played more down the stretch. I, I would I, I would give it to Hauser slightly there. Um, but I don't I'd probably think it's a, I'd also I'd also to me, I would have given it to Hauser over Hogard, quite honestly. I know they don't play the same position and that, but I mean you're talking about a yeah. guy in, in Hauser um that I mean they don't get the two seed or it's the four seed. A double buy without him. I mean, the last seven games, you know, they've gone five and two, and he's averaging 18 and five, seven in 35 minutes. He's shooting thir- fi- nearly 60% from three and nearly 55, 54 and a half from the floor. I mean, that that's all conference numbers right there. I mean, that's a seven, that's seven games out of 20. And that's not taking into account what he's done in the other games. I think he, he maybe had one game. Uh, you know, the one really bad game uh, during the conference season. And it also comes into the factor of what exactly is an all-conference team, right? Is it solely what you did in conference play? Is it what you did over the course of the season? I mean, he's averaging 14-2 over the course of the season uh, and uh, 13-9 in league play. So he had some games where he wasn't as good, but down the stretch when you needed him, Hauser was an all-conference player to me. Yeah, and, and, and how many times you saw somebody and who they were when you saw them and, you know, with, with the coaches. The coaches scout a lot of tape, but also, you know, who they were on that day you played them. Uh, you, could get, you get Hogart on the wrong day, you think that guy's an all-conference guy for sure. Yeah. With media types, you know, how often did you see each of these guys um, is, is always a fair 
a fair question. I'm uh, I'm a big believer if you don't have time to watch every team five or six times fully in the capable season, you shouldn't you shouldn't be picking this stuff. Um, but that's you know that's my own my own little uh, tick on this. But um, I don't think it was a huge snub. It, it was a uh, it was a misstep. But you know you could argue Matt Painter over Chris Collins very easily as well. I mean Matt Painter, you know, with two freshman guards, won the league by three games. And they were picked sixth. And I know Northwestern was picked, uh, you know, uh, 13th or something. I forget what they were picked. But way down there. They had like a bunch of 30-year-olds. So Yeah, and they finished second. And and obviously they could have finished ninth. It was in a bunch of people. And they're a good team. He's also deserving. Uh, the, The point is, though, does it always have to go to the coach who pulls the team that nothing's expected out of into something? I mean, so... If you underachieve for seven seasons and then have one year where you do something unexpected because of your own underachieving, does that make you coach of the year? It might. And I actually might have voted for Chris Collins. I'm not saying it doesn't, but I'm saying there are lots of ways to to look at that and how we look at which coaches actually had uh, the best year, which teams developed, which teams got better late. I mean, you could argue if Purdue had kept rolling that he would have gotten it and they, they stumbled down the stretch a little bit, whatever. So I don't, I don't think there are huge, uh, huge issues there. Let's, let's, uh, before we move on to football, Chris, what is, what let's do your and our picks for this weekend. Who do you think's in the final and who wins the big 10 tournament? Uh, it's a good question. I mean, it's like I said earlier, I, I can see, you know, any number of teams making it and making a run because all it takes is, one bad game. I still think Purdue makes it there um, just because they've got the combination. I mean, if they struggle on the outside, they can, or on the inside with Edie, they can go outside. Uh, and, and they've got some guys that can do some things and, and some depth, particularly depth for a tournament like this. Getting through that first game, I think, is going to be big for them. Um, on the other side of the bracket, you know, I, 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 I want to say Indiana because I do think that you have a elite player in Jackson Davis, but I don't know. I mean, that, that side of the bracket to me is going to be really tough. I, I mean, I, I, I'm going to throw a sleeper pick of Illinois in there. Um, just because I think this is kind of one of those moments that I think they can make, you know, you talk about desperation. I don't know how much desperation there is there, but they got talent that they can do some things. And it, it, it's going to be, and it, I, I, I'll couch this, with the fact that I have about a 12% uh, certainty of anything. It's just 12% yeah. across the board on everything. Yeah, I don't think Purdue gets that far, and that's just my own. I think Michigan might get them. Um, I, I don't disagree with that at all. And I, I, I just think, you know, I mean, I, I know BTN is tied to this corporately and all that stuff, but this is not the Big Ten Championship. Purdue's already won it. And how much you care about this particular event is is different for each teams, and I'm not sure Purdue wants to. They want to get playing better, and so I'm not saying they don't want to win, but I, I think Michigan's going to be a real tough out. So I, I don't know that uh, though. I, I do think MSU's got a real shot because they only oh, have to play the three games in three days, and they're playing as well as they are. And I don't know that they're going to have to face Purdue as it is, and it would be Michigan's third game in three days when they face them. Um, so I'll take MSU on one side. I like your Illinois pick on the other. 
I'm going to go a little wild here. Northwestern. Minnesota. Do it. Minnesota, the first Western seed ever. Three games, three days, Northwestern. Northwestern's been slept on all year. What's wild about picking the two seed? Go with Minnesota. Not going to do it. Or Nebraska. I'll I'll give you Nebraska or Minnesota. That's what you get. Not going to do it. Good to go. Okay. Of of Nebraska and Minnesota, who has the best chance to get to Sunday? Uh, Nebraska, but you you the, the problem with five games in five days is hard enough. Four games in four days is really hard. The, getting to that s- Sunday is almost impossible for those. You teams. want you want my you want my thirteen percent? Who's that? I, I feel thirteen percent confident in this. The winner of the Minnesota Nebraska game knocks off Maryland. Yeah. Which by the time people listen to this, I'm I'm going to either be a complete soothsayer or my normal self. So. Give me, give me Northwestern Michigan State. Northwestern cuts down to the Nets. Look at that, Chicago's team. Yeah, right in front. It's almost front like of the, it's almost like the story's writing itself. In front of the smallest fan base in Chicago, all the other alumni bases are bigger than Northwestern <laughs> fan base in Chicago. But nonetheless, and and they'll do it on a on, in a game that doesn't matter because it'll matter to them. But three three minutes later, you're whisked away to the brackets, and the NCAA doesn't care, and the Big Ten doesn't care, or they wouldn't have the game on Sunday. Um. The uh, all right, let's let's talk some football here. The big sort of happening. I know Michigan State lost a uh, four-star receiver recruit, um, Nick Marsh from River Rouge, yep. who has MSU still in his his top schools. He just backed out of a way Whatever early commitment that always is way early because yep. what are we doing with recruiting anymore? That and Brandon Jordan leaving. Those are the two big storylines. And and football is is spring practice gets underway. Uh, next week, and uh, the spring game in mid-April, April 14th, 15th, whatever that weekend is. April 15th uh, after the Tom Izzo Foundation 5K walk and run. That's right. So, uh, or whatever they'll have. They haven't had a spring game in a while. I'd be surprised if it's next. Yeah, they haven't game. They haven't announced a format or anything. Right. I would assume that if they've got the bodies, they will try and do a game. An open practice, whatever it will be. Something that you'll be able to go to Spartan Stadium for. Um, the, the recruit thing, you know, look, and people know how I feel about this. I, they I do? yeah, I, tell I, me, I have no, I've never heard, you know, I, I don't believe in that these kids are actually committing. And when What's they commit this early fouls and versus six, yeah, I don't believe it. So, I mean, it was just a matter of time before the kid, uh, decommitted, um, because he didn't actually, it's commit. not always a matter of time. I think I, I hear you on that, but. I mean, this is, I mean, this is where we're at. I mean, kids shouldn't, to me, okay, um, you know, not so much with the current environment of recruiting because there's pressure on kids from tons of places, whether it be uh, websites that are constantly bombarding them that are tied to uh, major donors, that whether it be um, a number of, coaches around the country pressuring them saying we need to know now we need to know now um yeah it's just the we've talked about this accelerated pace for years nothing has ever been done about it so this is what you're going to get you know it used to be kids would commit before their senior year or after their senior year and that would be it i think early signing days bumped up some of that pressure some because coaches want to i mean Coaches are like fans. They want to turn the page to next as as quickly as possible. And sometimes the now gets lost. And I I, it, I don't know what you can do. I mean, it, I, I've said this before that I think there were so many issues that the NCAA had that they could have addressed uh, by taking a year off during the pandemic, this being one of them. 
uh, name image likeness being another and some other things that have kind of gone all gone wild all at the same time. But this is what it is. And particularly for Mel Tucker, when you're going after four and five star kids, you know that this is the the likelihood. This isn't Mark Antonio going after three star kids who really have Michigan State and the Mac, um, but they have high upside. I, this is a different ball game than it was five years ago, uh, let alone 10 or 15. So it is what it is when you have recruiting these days. Uh, and this is why this is why I don't put a ton of stock into recruiting until guys put pen to paper. Yeah, the best thing that could happen is uh, that eventually people get so tired of this, and it won't happen because the talent acquisition phase of college football is very important and people care. It, it funds an entire industry and the, the on threes and rivals and 24 sevens, but is that we stop giving attention to things that aren't real. And, and that, because it, and that will happen to some degree, if a per, high enough percentage of things aren't real. And what, what happens is you get in the world of the new NIL where kids are not just up against other big programs, but they're up against cash offers and you get in the, the transfer, um, the one-time transfer world. And when the odds become, when people start to calculate, and these are stories that need to be done over time here, the odds that a kid who's, who commits 10 months out from signing day ever sticks to that commitment to sign, shows up at the school, performs well, and doesn't transfer out. When those odds are above 30%, then maybe that's worth something. But, but at a certain point, we're going to realize that most – it really – you're not getting much with an early commitment. The odds of that kid is ever going to do something for your program aren't going to be that high. Now, I do wish there were all sorts of they, – they could change the calendar, and that would help. They could offer early opportunities to sign. They could, I think, get out of the December uh, signing day and move that to February because it's – I think that encourages transferring when coaches are – there's just this whirlwind three weeks that I think is too much. Uh, I think it served a purpose for a while, but doesn't work in the new transfer windows and other things. There are lots of things that can be done. From Michigan State's perspective, uh, there will be probably three or four more commitments and decommitments before signing day. And oh, I hope they're, they're going to have more than three commitments. Well, I'm talking, I, kids you're talking about this process. The, I'm talking about kids who decommit the, as well. I'm in. So this is just, not yet. Or I'm in. I'm out. Yeah. And it is, you know. 17-year-olds, 17-year-olds, God love them, they're stupid. And I was stupid. We all are. We all want the attention. Uh, you know, we- I would I would argue the other side of that. I don't necessarily I, – I, I think that – I'm not saying that you're wrong in some ways with that, but I think they're probably more enlightened and more educated about the process now than ever, um, which I think leads to some of this. Also, I also think that – I wouldn't call it – dumb i think that they're 17 year old kids who are inexperienced that totally. feel the weight of the pressure when coaches say i need you to put pen to paper now or i'm going on to another kid to be I clear mean, i would have done the same thing because like know, when, I mean, when you're... they also don't really you know some of those 17 year old kids don't realize ultimately i have the power a guy like nick marsh is a four-star kid ultimately has the power because wait a minute i'm a four-star kid and alabama's knocking on my door Right. I mean, it's, you know, that they're the, they're the, and it's crass to think of this way, but they're the commodity. They're the commodity for the college coaches. And, you know, you're seeing it, I think, in the NIL world with athletes at the college level realizing that there's worth and value above and beyond some things that they may have never realized. 
Um, I think you also see that trickle down effect when it comes to these kind of things, not just with NIL, but also when it comes to what is my future for, for these kids. Now, the other side of it too, is that sometimes kids aren't kids don't get physically better. This is where the recruiting realm and, and the recruiting websites. I mean, just there is, you look at a couple years ago, look at Devonte Dobbs and everything that they said about him. And you looked at him and you said, this kid's going to be a star. Where is he? Right. I mean, it's, 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 it's as much gamble. It's, it's as unpredictable sometimes with these, with football recruits as it is, particularly 16, 15 year old kids who physically develop at a different rate um, as it is about projecting the big 10 basketball tournament right now. I mean, but that's been the case forever. And, and I think it is, but it's the difference is that now there's a lot more eyeballs on it with all these recruiting sites, with all, with it becoming, like you said, the, not just a cottage industry, but, but quite honestly, I mean, you know, what is that industry and who's propping it up? I mean, coaches feed a lot of that information directly to these recruiting reporters, um, some of whom are just fans. And, you know, you see things that get fan bases excited um, with what merit. I mean, it goes back to what is the reality? I mean, that's, you know, it's it's an industry based on hope and Again, until these kids end up in a place, and not just that, what do they do when they get there? I mean, it, that, should, it should be fun, though. There should be hope, right? There should, I mean, this is. I mean, it, it, it's a. We're the only country in the world that ties uh, a sport that sports to education this way. Yes. We tie a, a sport that creates severe head trauma, and I'm not saying it's not a great sport, and, and there are a lot of teaching life lessons in it. I'm just saying a lot of places would look at what we do with college football and think the whole thing's absurd, which is fine. Like it, it's our absurdity. We love it. And I, I think it's for basketball too, though, in sure. a lot of ways. But I do think um, going, going back a little ways to, to some of your earlier comments there, I do think uh, like I, we all would have made this mistake at 17 years old. We all would have, we all would have struggled. Like I would have struggled under the influence of adults who were recruiting me. I would have really struggled to pick one to figure out what I wanted and if, especially if you don't have uh, people in your lives who are uh, can help you sift through that, and some kids do, some kids don't, and and can sort of say, hey, you know, this I think this is what you really want, um, you know. And and the other thing is, anytime a kid commits and is going to take more visits, that I believe that shouldn't be considered a commitment because you know it, it is that that kid is still open to the idea of something else, and that is something we have to start. That's where we have to get to. If if a kid is going to take more visits, is still looking around, it's like it, it's like in a relationship. You wouldn't be engaged to your fiance. You wouldn't marry your wife and then take more visits. You know, like if we're going to talk about, I mean, and, and I understand that commitment in football is different than a commitment in life. Is is we've just made a mockery of the term. I'm not talking just about that, but the the whole concept of I am committed, but wait, I still want to look around. And in Marsh's case, he had basically said he wanted to take more visits and stuff. We need to, as our industry, make that part of the thing. Kid commits, you know, kids still to take visits, but leaning this way. I mean, we, we need to stop giving them the credibility that their their minds are mature enough at 17 to really understand what they've what they've just done and, and what a commitment is. And 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 I and I think if we get there, we can save ourselves. Well, the, uh, quite honestly, Nick Marsh, he committed in July of last year. I mean, he might have been 16 when he done, did that. 
So at a certain age, you're almost too young to commit. Yeah, that's why I always joke about hockey. Like in hockey, they used to they used to respect too much. They used to respect other t- kids, other te- uh, kids committing. Hockey's to the worst offender of that. Hockey was offering kids and taking commitments at twelve, at thirteen, fourteen years old. Right, but was what was even worse in hockey is coaches would then respect the commitment. I'm sorry, but if a kid at 14 commits, that kid doesn't know what the heck they want. I'm going to keep com- recruiting them. I, if somebody he committed somewhere else, because that that kid has no clue what they want in college at 14 years old, and no clue at 15. Anybody who commits before to me before like 16 is fair game to keep recruiting because they don't actually know what they're saying. They're not actually in a spot where they really probably understand what they want and what's ahead. Um, we could do this all day, and I, I can go on tangents on recruiting. Let's talk the other the other story. Um, Brandon Jordan le- leaving Michigan State for the Seahawks. Uh, obviously, the pass rush specialist. A lot of fanfare about him when he was brought in because of his ties to uh, training. You know, top NFL guys, pass rushers. What it was going to do for recruiting? He's he's very good at marketing that and and marketing himself. And I think there was, and and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that i'm just saying that i, I think he, he did create buzz about msu and and so i do i don't think it's helpful that he's gone um you know I, I from what i understood he had had some other opportunities at college and not taken them and the nfl came calling and and, and he went and you, can, you can't blame a guy who if that's what he wants to do I, I what i don't know is you know and obviously i'm sure tucker would have loved to have another couple of years out of him to really feel the impact maybe in recruiting of him and perhaps pass rush as well. But I, I I don't have a sense of whether this will have tangible impact or not. I mean, at some point we may figure that out when there's a couple kids who might have come who don't. Stone, line one. Yeah. So, but we're, we're, it's still too early to know if there's tangible impact to this and to what degree uh, he was critical to certain recruiting relationships. Yeah. And, and I mean, I, I congratulations to him because I think his story is so fantastic. I mean, you know, just the the job that Brandon Jordan has done in developing not just players but his business, his techniques, and all of that. I think there's something to be said about that. That said, what has Michigan State lost? I mean, it's an assistant coach. It's you know a specialty assistant coach. Now, to Mel Tucker's credit, he went out and and did what no one else did. In, in hiring Brandon Jordan, which I think is helpful and beneficial for what comes next, you know, how they how they progress with not just that position, but any other open positions that move forward. Because let's face it, the the football training landscape has quite frankly moved way away from the traditional coaching at this level and then moving up to division two, then moving up to low level division one. That's changed that's changed dramatically with the way that that uh high school training has become specialized. I mean, there's a number of the number of MSU guys that like a Greg Jones or I know Mark Dell's been doing it and uh Ryan Van Dyke, all these former players have created their own you talk about cottage industries. I mean, it's not I mean, this is tangible because these guys have experience working hands-on with players and have experience getting to the highest level and passing those messages on so now they become coaching candidates you know i mean courtney hawkins is another one i mean you know he went from the high school realm and an athletic director to being the wide receivers coach so i mean that's i think that i I don't necessarily think it's as big a loss 
Um, I know that Brandon Jordan had a lot of recruiting ties, but so do a lot of other guys. Um, I, I, I think what helps is if you're in Michigan State, that Mel Tucker took that chance once on someone on the rise and on the ascent, and obviously the NFL took notice as well. Um, so I think that helps pave the path for some more of those I don't want to call them out of the box hires because I don't think they are out of the box anymore. I think it's just the new way to look at at filling those assistant positions rather than getting retreads from two, three, four different schools that have have struggled at times. Yeah, and look, it's it's to be seen, right? We we won't know, and I don't know if we'll truly understand the impact ever. I mean, there have been lots of coaches who have come and gone over the years that uh, may have. We don't even know the player that they may have gotten. You know that that yeah. you know. I mean. Terrence Samuel before he left might have been this close to the next Charles Rogers. And we don't, we'll never know that, you know, we just don't, we don't know. So in terms of recruiting that person, so we'll, we'll, we'll see. Um, it's obviously not something MSU wanted to happen. Um, I'll be curious to see. Uh, and you can tell the players are, are, were reacting a little bit out of surprise, but yeah, quite honestly, if you looked at the pedigree that Brandon Jordan brought into Michigan state, you should have, really kind of thought this could be a thing because he's got all of these NFL guys and clients totally. who have been pushing and promoting him and his, his skill set. I mean, I mean, like I said, good for Brandon Jordan, because I think that's, that shows two things to me that one people believe in his methods and techniques. And two, it shows that Mel Tucker was able to, to get a guy, push him onto the, not maybe when he wanted to, but, but, someone that is a coveted coach at the highest level of college of, of pro football. So, you know, that, that I think bodes well for the next guy that comes in and, you know, however they decide to progress with it. I think that hits about everything right now. It's going to be a fun week. We'll both be in Chicago. Uh, and then wherever Michigan state goes, we'll do another one of these podcasts before uh, or at where, you know, early next week before Michigan state plays its NCAA tournament game uh we're really we at that point aren't we what's oh we're there we're, yeah. we're literally five days away from selection sunday no we're we're, we're we're near we're near the end of the run this stuff goes fast and maybe it'll be a three-week run you never know um or four-week run from now who knows um it, it could be uh, michigan state i think it's going to be interesting and, and uh and i think is is piqued some curiosity with the way they've been with the way they've been playing uh we will it, have it to- could be a long run the the one thing that i discovered in doing a story on monday Every time Michigan State is either won, they won three times in Chicago, and they made it to the final a fourth time. Each of those four times, they went to a final four. So if they get to Sunday, prepare for a long run, right? Yeah. Or not, because it's a completely unpredictable year. We'll have complete coverage at Freep.com, LSJ.com, GreenAndWhite.com. Um, as always, rate, subscribe, throw tomatoes, whatever you see fit. Um, and we appreciate you listening.